Redemption. Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? Yes, sir! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to another edition of the Raging Review Podcast. I'm Jerry here with Nick and Josh. Gentlemen, happy hump day. How are y'all tonight? Doing okay, man. Got some uh, basketball on TV. By the way, don't yell at us because we're doing this during a basketball game. We literally have no choice. It'll happen during baseball, too. It's what happens when you play midweek games. Uh, but uh, watching that game, ready to talk softball, ready to talk basketball, um, and Mardi Gras, right? We're, we're talking a little bit of Mardi Gras. We're going we're to multitask tonight. We're going to watch some basketball, talk some basketball, talk some softball, talk some Mardi Gras. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Josh, what's up, dude? How are you, man? I am well. I'm still recovering from uh, being disappointed about missing the special interview that was conducted last night. That's my favorite episode of the year. So, yeah, still, still sad about that. But, hey, look, it's Mardi Gras season. Super Bowl Sunday. We got a lot of stuff to look forward to. Opening day for softball tomorrow. Opening day for baseball in less than, what was it, eight days, I guess. So about a week. Yeah, man. I'm getting the free songs thinking about it. <laughs> Spring is the time of year. Spring is the time of year. So fire it up. Appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Hey, man. Always glad to have you on, buddy. I know Nick's like nodding like, dude, you're still technically part of the pod. You're just not as active, I guess, as you claim. But you're here. That's all that matters. You're here. Just a disclaimer that I'm throwing out there to protect you all. Oh, well, you're too kind. You're too kind. And to Josh's point, yes, we do have some special content for you. Going to be posted early next week. We got uh, got some content out the other night uh, talking some Raging Cajun baseball. Be on the lookout for that. Great, great stuff. Great, great stuff. So, uh, again, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Again, softball season starts officially tomorrow. Uh, of course, we've got basketball playing right now. It looks like it's a nail-biter. We'll discuss the end of that game as the Cajuns currently take on Georgia State. We'll also talk a little bit about women's basketball as well as Mardi Gras. The parades are rolling. Uh, actually, tonight's the official first night where you have that consecutive six or seven day stretch in New Orleans where the parades roll uptown. So uh, Mardi Gras is definitely underway. We'll talk about that. But uh, before we get into all of that, let's first, Nick, go to our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining Rage and Review for another weekly episode. We'd just like to encourage you to patronize our great sponsors like Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Cairo Med. Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain but really don't want to deal with a long, drawn-out process? Then call the chiropractor Rage and Cajun athletes use for their neck and back pain, Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is you just need to feel better. You need to get better quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable comes in to make all the difference. 
Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you. Opelousas, New Iberia, and of course, main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He is also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. Before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry workman's comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be to Dr. Brett Venable and his great team at Recovery Cairo Med. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our Raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337-988-2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com, recoverychiromed.com. We'd like to thank Dr. Brett Venable for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Raging Review podcast. Also, a huge thank you to Absolutely Embroidery and More. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. At Raging Review, we get our gear from Miss Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and More. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from. If you can't find something you like, Absolutely can make something you'll like right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with customers, Absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out with the cause. Bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, uniforms, etc. Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of exciting accessories for the lady Cajuns in your life. Earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags are just a few options to complete her spicy look. Pass by 3010 Collie Saloon Roan in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and More today. They'll treat you to quality Cajun clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. And if you're an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social channels on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. Once again, folks, please support local businesses and please support businesses that support the Raging Cages and especially the Raging Review Podcast. And once again, thanks to our sponsors, Dr. Brett Venable, Recovery Cairo Med, and Absolutely Embroidery and more. Also, don't forget, Crew Alon, the NIL Collective for Louisiana Athletics. Who is the Crew Alon? Well, they exist to enhance the experience of Raging Cages student-athletes. They provide experiences for them to connect with the engaging and enthusiastic fan base of UL. The Crew Outlaw helps student-athletes monetize their name, image, and likeness through experiences and connections in the community. Those experiences will help connect the student-athletes to your family and business. So if you can give, whether it's $20, $200, $2,000, $20,000, always remember the Crew Outlaw is there to help with the NIL, name, image, and likeness for the student-athletes at the University of Louisiana. You can give at crewalon.com and be sure to help with that effort. Also of note for the Crew Alon, this Friday night, normal Lafayette parade route, they will officially kick off the Mardi Gras parade weekend. Uh, they will be rolling at 6.30. It'll be the Crew Alon 
uh, kickoff parade. So uh, if you want to have some Mardi Gras fun, kickoff Mardi Gras weekend with a bang, why not support these student athletes and head out wherever on the route, all the way, whether it's by the Evangeline Thruway or by Cajun Field, anywhere along Johnson Street or downtown, check out the Crew Alon kickoff parade. Once again, they start rolling at 6.30 this Friday night. Well, boys, tomorrow it's official. Softball season begins. Uh, the Raging Cajuns come off the 2023 season. First Super Regional appearance since 2016. Of course, a very memorable regional weekend as they were victorious in Baton Rouge, coming back from the loser's bracket, winning two straight games against the Tigers. And uh, lots of memories. Another conference championship. The Cajuns finished the season with a 50-16 and 16 overall record, 22-2 and two in conference. And once again, like I mentioned, uh, Sunbelt Conference champions both in the regular season and in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. It's safe to say that we were we felt pretty pretty uh short uh short-sighted uh when we didn't or say it, we got we got the shaft where we didn't we didn't get the host we should have hosted and so uh, we let our anger out down it down against the the TSAB Tigers and uh, again first super regional appearance since 2016. With that being said, there's a lot of hype going into the 2024 season based off of that. Uh, just kind of give your your input on what you guys think about this softball team coming in. We'll discuss more in depth uh, with the roster and the schedule, but just talk a little bit about the way the season ended last year and how they can build on what they did last year going into this upcoming season. Yeah, I thought it was a tough draw. You know, I hate when we have to play TSAB in something like a regional or super regional in, in baseball or softball because it's really not fair. Uh, to to either team that they have to compete against uh, a, a really good in-state team every single year, it seems like. So last year was unfair. Again, hopefully somebody takes notice next year. I don't have any confidence that they will, but I feel like, uh, I feel like, look, they, they were in a, a tough spot last year when they had to travel to Washington to play the Huskies. That was a tough draw there as well. But there is a lot of expectations on this, this team this year. They're ranked. Uh, in the top 25 going into the season early at super early predictions. Of course, you're, nobody really has any idea how the season's going to play out, but uh, early predictions have the Cajuns hosting a regional and, and the school down the street, not hosting a regional. So if that would happen, that would be interesting to see how that plays out. Right. But I think, uh, look, Glasgow is going to rely on a lot of transfer players uh, this year in a lot of key positions. Um, and, and he's got some, uh, I, I think he's got a freshman, uh, outfielder that he's, he's got some, uh, some good things to say about, and she may get more playing time than I think originally expected for a freshman player. So we'll see how that plays out. But all in all, you, you always want to progress and take a step forward. And this year, uh, the, the hope it, for me as a fan is that they get to those super regionals and, and maybe host it. And, and get to uh, Oklahoma City. It's been a long time, and there's a lot of expectations on this team. Now, again, they've lost uh, a couple of key players. Uh, Lacey Prejean is now coaching at Northwestern State, so that's uh, going to be a little bit different. I think they hired uh, two coaches to replace her this year. So that just tells you how, how great of a job she did here. So a lot of changes, a, a lot of turnover, some new players from the transfer portal, some new freshmen who we think are going to have some impact. But all in all, high expectations. They're going to have to play at a high level this year. Agree with all that. I think that uh, the most important thing and most interesting thing to me is that you took a young team last year and you, you achieved some pretty – lofty goals uh, especially winning in baton rouge i mean 
say what you want about that school, it's hard to win there. So especially because you're playing the team, you're playing the crowd, and you're playing the bias. We all know it. It exists. They beat that. They, they, they came from the loser's bracket, which is a feat all in and of itself. Uh, but anyway, you get some leaders back. You get a corner bat like Lauren Allred, a freshman All-American. You got Maya Davis, who's going to be a little bit older, and she's, I mean, she's all world. She's probably the best defensive player in the Sun Belt. She's a top 10 maybe in the country. Um, so, you know, stalwarts like that. You, you get Langlier's back. I know she's going to be moving to second base this year, but you get a, you, you get an Alexa Langlier's. You got Sophie Pisco's back for another year. A freshman backstop, excuse me, senior backstop behind the plate. These are all experienced players that have seen success at a high level. Uh, it, it, I, I can't say enough how important it was to get over the hump of rent. You know, they called Jerry a you know regional Glasgow, whatever. They got over the hump with a young team, and you bring back a lot of experience, and you bring back leaders. I think that this team is poised. I mean, you got it. You got a stud in Sam. You got depth. Uh, Rhea Seto showed that she was going to be a force to be reckoned with as a freshman coming out of the pen. You've got some versatility. you got some big-time transfers from P5 schools, and not just P5 schools, really, really successful like your Floridas. Uh, we got a couple of transfers from Florida. So, And, and one in, in which I think is going to be the hot corner in, in, uh, at third base, uh, Poe. She, she was one of the Florida transfers, right? Sam Rowe, yeah, correct. Rowe, Rowe, excuse me, Rowe. Right, so, so you're reloading, which is something that elite programs do. You have a lot of experience, and you have the core of your team coming back. If you can be successful uh, on the mound, even close to what you showed last year, I mean, I know we kind of ran out of ammunition in that in that uh, super regional. Washington was just so good, man. Everything, all of their key uh, players stepped up huge. The crowd was behind them. It kind of felt like a momentum thing where they just kind of they took the baton and ran with it, and we couldn't catch up. It's so good to have that experience back on this team and the core of it back. I think you have everything you need to be successful in Lafayette. I think that this is easily a top – it's easily a top 20 team. It's probably a top 15 team. I can't wait to see him play Baylor. I can't wait to see him play uh, the schedule that's laid out because it's very interesting. It's going to be very challenging. Uh, I think 15 P5s this year that's out of correct. conference. So and then again, Sun Belt Conference is better again. I mean, it continues to get better. You know, South Alabama is going to bounce back. Texas State is a force. You know, uh, Southern Miss is putting a lot of emphasis on softball now. It's going to be interesting. Marshall, obviously. You know, I know they lost a little bit with some of the talent that moved on, but they're going to be a team that you're going to have to look out for. It's a good league now. I think that's not going to be one of those leagues that people turn their nose up at. With that out of conference schedule, all the ingredients are there to be really, really successful. And, and I didn't say much about pitching, but I'll say this. Sam Landry was a, a top five recruit in the country for a reason. She's, she's going to be a junior this year. She's the undoubted leader of this pitching staff. And, 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 and in truth, she's one of the leaders on the entire team. So I can't wait to see how it plays out. I'm excited for softball. Uh, I, I see a lot of big things coming this year. And look, I know we're going to get into the weeds, Jerry. But there's another – you were talking about pitching. There's another Sam, Sam Ryan. She's coming from uh, Chattanooga State College. She had 40 wins, 300 strikeouts in her two seasons there. She's good. Uh, I mean, she's really, really good. She's now, good. how yeah. – uh, you would assume that's going to translate to 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 the the level of competition that we have in the Selbo Conference and nationally when we play some of those really good teams. So if, if you get someone like the two Sams and then you're bringing in um, – Sam Rowe from Florida. I mean, that, that is she the pitcher from Florida? Or is it no, it's Delbury from Florida, right? The pitcher? It's Delbury. Delbury. So you're bringing in a pitcher from Florida. 
I mean, we're we're hopefully going to be stacked at that position. And and like you said, I think one, we ran out of gas and two, we ran into a buzz, buzzsaw last year. But pitching, I think, is going to be a, a lot. Of, it's going to be very solid this season um, going into conference play, certainly. Well, you hope it is solid because, look, we're replacing Carly Heath. I mean, she, we're replacing her bat and her and her skills in the circle. You're replacing also uh, two other graduates or two other seniors in Megan Shorman and Kendra Lamb, both of which were just anchors in the circle next to Sam and, and, uh, and Carly. So that's going to be tough to replace. But at the same time, when you bring in two pitchers like Sam Ryan and Lexi Delbury, and then don't forget, you know, you also have, uh, I think it's uh, Denali or Denali, uh, Denali Lecker. Uh, she's a new in, she's a new incoming transfer from Iowa and uh, she's going to kind of replace Carly Heath in the fact that she can both hit and pitch. You're going to bring in talent that can come in and and not necessarily I don't expect them to to be better off the bat, but you're, you're filling in those gaps of the seniors that you lost. Let's be honest, the Cajuns also lost six other players. Uh, transferring out. Sometimes they don't feel like they're a good fit, but the transfers that they brought in are transfers that, like you said, Josh, have played at bigger schools and are very well trained to to play at this level. So um, it's going to be exciting. I, I definitely think there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some hiccups early on. I know Jerry likes to move around the the lineup a little bit, but one thing that I noticed at the end of last year was it was nice to see some of the players fit into the roles that they, they fit into, and it helped them carry uh, all the way to a super regional. So Josh, you mentioned the schedule. Um, you, you brought up a good point. Look, 15 team, 15 games against t- uh, P5 competition. Uh, the schedule includes two games against Cal, the Bears. Uh, they will, they're in the Pac-12 or now the Pac-2. They'll be in the ACC in July, but we play them this weekend. You've got two games against Mississippi State on Mardi Gras Day. So that's going to be a test early on. And then next weekend, you play Baylor for a three-game series. So this is not your typical, you know, softball schedule where you play a bunch of no-name teams, you hang 20 runs on them, and everybody thinks they're ready for Oklahoma City. They're going to be challenged early on. And that doesn't include you have two games against Oklahoma, defending national champs. You got two games against the Tigers of Baton Rouge, both home and home. You've got two games against Texas. Oh, and you got two games against Stanford. So you look, when it comes to the schedule, if we win 40 or 40 plus games, there's no excuse for the committee to deny us a regional a regional bid. Also, not to mention, besides the 15 games we have against P5 competition, we also played 10 teams included in that number that went to a regional last year. So Oklahoma, Cal, Stanford, Central Arkansas, Miami, Ohio, Texas State, Liberty, McNeese, Baylor, and LSU all went to a regional. So, and and that's not including uh, the conference this year. So I don't think there's any excuse uh, to say that if we win more than 40 games that we shouldn't have a chance to host because that schedule looks pretty doggone tough Jerry, especially early on you really believe that you really believe that there's no reason that they're not gonna <laughs> screw us somehow and send us 60 miles down the road if there's any chance that the other school hosts watch i mean look man if you win some of these games and you go over 500 in those games i i don't see how they how they would there's nothing they can say that would otherwise because last year it was oh you you didn't win enough games you were one in something against or somebody on twitter was like you're one in something against this level of competition you go over 500 with that level of competition, there's no reason why we should be denied uh, a regional bid. I we'll mean, I hope, I, I hope I'm hope i wrong. I mean, I hope I hope that's not the case, and I hope I'm wrong that they would. But, I mean, 
you know, the schedule, the schedule pans out well. I must admit it pans out well. It's a good challenge. And this is the type of schedule you play, in my opinion, if you want to make a run in Oklahoma City, because you're definitely going to be challenged early on starting this weekend. Coach Glasgow's got a chip on his shoulder now, I'm sure. I mean, he takes this stuff seriously. So he's going into every single one of those games wanting to not only beat those teams, but destroy them. So I have no doubt he's going to have the the ladies prepared this year for those games because, again, uh, they they are going to find any way that they can to not allow a team like us in. So you've got to give them, you've got to take away all the chances that they have to make those excuses. And that starts with winning uh, those games against a stiff competition. No question. No question. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the roster. So Josh, you, you had a good, a nice rundown of the newcomers coming in. I'm going to give kind of an outline of what I'm, what we're expecting to have in the starting lineup. I know this is going to move around a little bit. Uh, got to give a shout out to Mr. Rory Strentz. Uh, I spoke with Rory today. Uh, we talked for about a good 30 minutes. He was able to help me out a little bit, give us a rundown, uh, just to let everybody know we, we might have Rory on later in the season. If we make a run, at Oklahoma City and whatnot, he'll be a good, uh, a good um, fan to come in and, and discuss this stuff. He's a walking encyclopedia when it comes to Rage Cage and softball. Uh, you know, one of those diehard fans that knows his stuff. So, uh, shout out to Mr. Rory. Thank you so much, Rory, for all your help. Um, just to kind of go over the starting lineup, uh, I'm I'm just kind of going down the list. Look, first base, Lauren Allred. Obviously, she's solidified herself at first base. She's got a massive bat last year. She hit 375, 12 home runs, 47 RBIs, and she's a staple at first base. That's a no, that's a no-brainer. Uh Alexa Langliers uh at second base. Now, right now she's battling a hand injury. Uh, I don't know how long she'll be out. Uh, she's got a, she also has a great bat. She hit the ball well last year as well. Made that huge clutch, uh, that catch, uh, in the, in the foul area, foul territory in Baton Rouge to, 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 uh, set up that clinching win against the Tigers in, in that last game. Uh, last year she hit 270, 13 home runs, 40 RBI. So she has a bat. She's very athletic. She's very physical. Again, she was playing, she played shortstop last year. She'll move to second base uh, as of right now with that injury because of the injury. Uh, it looks like at the moment until she heals up, it looks like Maddie Hayden, who is a regular uh, left fielder, of course, got the clutch out against the, the Tigers to win the regional. She'll be playing at second base a little bit uh, as well. Um Maddie, no home runs, not a power hitter. Obviously, she's one of those players that always gets on base. You can definitely... Um, Definitely depend on her to get on base. Uh, she batted, I believe, 286 last year with um, a good number of RBIs, 15 RBIs. So she's uh, she's a, a clutch base runner. Again, she'll rotate between second base and left field as long as uh, Lex is, is good to go. Uh, third base, uh, Josh, you mentioned, Sam Rowe, transfer from Florida. Uh, she is also a catcher as well but most likely she probably solidified herself at third base for the Florida Gators. She batted 304 and she had one home run and 18 RBI. So she can get on base, not a, maybe not a power hitter with one home run, but she can definitely, definitely get on base. Also from third base at shortstop, we have another transfer coming in. Uh, Brooke Ellistad. Brooke Ellistad is a transfer from St. Thomas university in Minnesota. 
She batted 384 with six home runs and 37 RBIs and seven stolen bases. So she has a bat with her. Very athletic, very fast. She played most of the season last year. So she's going to be, again, Lex is moving to second base. She'll play shortstop. That should be uh, interesting to see on how she adjusts. Um, how she adjusts uh, at that position at this level of competition. Also of note, left field, once again, Maddie Hayden. Uh, she'll be rotating, of course, between uh, second base right now and left field, but also at center field, Maya Davis, one of the best center fielders in the country. She'll pretty much solidified her spot, batted 380 last year, two home runs, 18 RBIs, played in 56 games, and made some really, really good catches uh, at center field, some of which were sports center top 10. And at right field, Miss Clutch hitter herself, Jordan Campbell. She's uh, she's a utility outfielder, but she'll probably play right field this year. Uh, of course, we remember Jordan's bat in the regional last year. She batted 313 for the season, six home runs, 36 RBIs. And uh, she'll also rotate with, um, not to mention, they are some other utility outfielders. Let's not forget Sam Grader. Let's not forget Kayla Falterman, who played quite often uh, last year. And we have a newcomer, Deja Williams. Deja Williams from Alexandria. Uh, Alexandria Senior High. She is a freshman. She will get some play time. She's fast, a lot of foot speed. So we'll probably play her uh, as a base runner as well as in the outfield to give her some experience. And of course, Lainey Crater, who also was a huge presence in the lineup last year. I'm guessing she's probably going to be a DH this year with her bat. Uh, she actually batted 375, seven home runs, 25 RBIs. So she's definitely going to be a huge factor for our uh, lineup this season. Uh, also at catcher, there will be kind of a battle, I say. Victoria Valdez with Sophie Piscos, both of which hit the ball well. Victoria Valdez batted 257, three home runs, 16 RBIs. And of course, Sophie Piscos batted with an average of 342, uh, with a batting average of 342, eight home runs, 36 RBIs. Both players are very familiar with the position. They've had a lot of play time. And so we'll definitely be interested to see how that goes. And don't forget Sam Rowe may be alternating as well as catcher. Sam's going to see the field, whether it's third base or catcher. And rounding out the lineup at pitcher, once again, Sam Landry, Sam Ryan, Lexi Delbury, uh, Denali Lecker, and Chloe, Chloe Riasetto will all get time in the circle. Not to mention coaching staff. There were a few changes. Of course, Coach Lacey Prejean taking the head coaching job at Northwestern State. Uh, congratulations to Coach Prejean. Uh, best of luck for the Demons. But two coaches came in. Uh, Hunter Veach from Texas A&M. He was also a coach at UAB for quite a while. He'll bring his knowledge to the Cajuns. And of course, coming back home, Coach Shelly Landry. She coached for three years or four years at Magnese. Did a great job over there, and uh, it's good to bring back her knowledge and acumen, not just what she did as a player, but now as a coach. She did a fantastic job at McNeese, and that is a huge asset we're bringing back. So, of course, we've got Coach Justin Robichaud coaching pitchers in the circle, and uh, overall, um, just kind of wanted to give a quick preview of our roster. This team is loaded with talent. Guys, I'm long-winded. Any comments on what you heard or what you think about this lineup? Yeah, I will tell you, um, Coach Glasgow is really, really high on Elstad. And after looking at what she's done at St. Thomas, uh, he gave some of the stats. 
Batting average of 384, slugging percentage of 629, OPS 1.079, 58 hits, 37 ribbies, 15 doubles last season. He says she's an elite talent, uh, one of the best that he has seen at that position and could play anywhere in the country. So I think uh, I think if you're going to be talking about a newcomer of the year, it may be Elstad. Uh, but uh, something exciting also to think about is, is, as I mentioned earlier, I think her name is Deja Williams. She's a freshman. She'll be playing in the outfield at some point this season. And and he's really high on, on her talent as well. So, again, he's he's complimenting the transfer players with with high school kids. And then you've got Gabby Stutes as well. She may redshirt the season, but Gabby Stutes is another freshman coming in. The pitching staff is going to be solid. Look, uh, coach said that that right now we're not a top five team. We're not a top 10 team, but we're definitely top 15 to 20. And he envisions that we'll be top 10 by the end of the season. So uh, the regular season, hopefully top eight going into Oklahoma City. But uh, I think, again, it, it wasn't it wasn't a situation of rebuilding. Like Josh said, this was a situation where you had a young team last year that got some really good experience on the road two consecutive weeks in really tough environments uh, against, uh, you know, T-Sab. And then you, you go to Washington and play those guys and. That was really tough. And then you had that clown that showed up with a stupid belt, you know, both weekends in a row. By the way, he's he's now a fan of the the Ravens because he was out there. I think he just likes purple, purple teams. teams. He just likes purple teams. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to He's going to be a Vikings any, fan tomorrow. Yeah. We don't want to give him any any more airtime than, than needed. But look, I, it's exciting to see what this the talent that they have on this team. It's just a matter of of seeing whether or not they gel early in the season. I'd like to see them get some early wins over some of that top talent uh, that will be playing against teams like Cal, uh, especially in the next couple of days. We play them like two or three times. So I think I think getting the girls to gel in the beginning of the season will pay dividends as the season goes on. But no, I think, uh, I think again, it's, it's not a rebuilding by any means. It's more reloading, taking that experience from last year in tough environments, uh, bringing that into this season. Uh, I think things are going to look good for, for the ladies. I think if we're being honest and I, I think the players would say the same thing is early in the season, Jerry, you mentioned we went one in 10 uh, out of conference against RPI top 50 or something like that. I forget exactly what the metric was. Uh, but if we're being honest and you and you want to go back and, and really review those games, defense hurt us badly early. Uh, even Langlers, who, you know, the thing about Langlers was she started off hot uh, at the dish. She was hitting everything. Uh, and then she slumped throughout the season, which was very strange. Um, she still had some pretty clutch hits in the postseason, you know, uh, some about tournament and then and into the re the regional and things like that. But her defense was just not good enough. And I think she'll agree with that. Uh, I think that, Outfield made some, they misplayed some balls that cost us some wins early in the season. Um, I think back to maybe it was, did we play Baylor early in the season last year? I think it was a Baylor game on a weeknight that we had, we had it in hand we and did. we ended up losing it because yeah. we had some errors late. Anyway, um, definitely against LSU early. Uh, there were several games where you felt like if you made one or two more defensive plays in the infield, those were wins, and I, I think back to that one in ten number, and I know it hurt us. For look, it, I still thought that we deserved to host a regional, and I think that we proved that we did by winning the TSAB regional. However, you gave them, you gave them an opportunity to have an argument, right? So 
the fact that you have a, a transfer like an Elstad to come in and solidify defensively the shortstop position, that's what I'm interested in. I don't need her to th hit 380 in this lineup. If she hits 380, fantastic. But what I really need her to do is come in and play a solid defense, play a solid shortstop. Now that Maya Davis has a year under her belt, she's flashed the leather. I need her to be consistent. Not, not that she wasn't. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe there were some plays early in the season last year she would have made as a sophomore. You know, there, there's just a lot of experience coming back that I think is going to solve a lot of those small issues that at times they look a little, they looked a little bit overwhelmed. Think back to um, uh, when they went out, I think it was the Clearwater uh, tournament invitational where, you know, they had only won one game. They had UCLA beat. They had, they had a couple of teams beat and, they did. and it was a defensive play here or a pitch there or a, just a mental mistake. I think a lot of that had a lot to do with youth. I think we're not going to have that element with this team. I think this team has the core and they have the belief and they have the experience to where when they see those situations, especially early in non-conference against elite competition, they know what it looks like. And I think that they're they're going to be in a position to rise to the challenge. So I love the roster. I love the possibilities. I like the pieces that Jerry has added in the offseason, especially because of, I mean, look, a lot of these girls, regardless of what division they came from, they produced at a high level. And sometimes the eye test is all you need. Uh, but then you also have those P5 girls that came in that saw the SEC tournament and saw what it looked like to advance deep into the postseason. So that's a good mix. You still got your leaders in place. I really hope that they can solidify the defense because if they do that, in my view, that was the only missing piece early in the season last year, and it, I think it ended up costing us the, the, uh, the host position. So defense is important. I'm glad that we addressed the issue. I look forward to what this team looks like as a whole I don't need Elstad to go out and hit 384. Hit 300. Hit 280. Play me a solid, consistent shortstop. Langler's moving over to second base. I know it's injury-related. But hey, if it works, let's stick with it. Let's find a lineup defensively that keeps us in the games and doesn't allow us to make those mistakes so that we can compete at an elite competition, uh, an elite competition level. Uh, I think that that was something that needed to be addressed, and I'm glad they did so. I think what I'm, I'm I'm most excited about and most curious about Josh is you do have some newcomers, but I love the fact that we do have some utility outfielders that creates depth. I mean, again, you've got you know Maddie Hayden has solidified her spot at left field. Maya Davis, again, one of the best center fielders in the country. Jordan Campbell is going to play right field. She has the presence with her bat as well as her her athleticism. Well, the thing right. about Jordan is that she's clutch. The clutch gene that that's not something that people just that's something you're born no. with. You have it or you don't. And we have that with Jordan. I'm glad that she's on our team. Uh, she, how many clutch hits does that girl have? I mean, it's 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 un, it's. In, I mean, you can't even quantify it. So, just wanted to make that comment about her. No, no doubt about it. And I mean, adding with her, you've got again Sam Grader, you've got Kayla Falterman, you've got Deja Williams. Who again, she's a freshman, but she's a good freshman. She's going to get some play time. I think she's one of those type of players where. Again, you know, she's she's fast with she's fast at base running, which is great because she'll be able to, you know, she could be a pinch runner. She can get some experience there. If we're up by so many runs, she'll definitely get some at bats, get some experience early on. And then you got Laney Crater. I mean, again, Laney Laney is a familiar face in the lineup. Now, granted, she basically goes as a DH. She'll probably go as again as a DH because her bat's so good, but she can also play in the outfield. So I mean, that's one, two, three, four, five. That's seven players right there that could that could uh, <laughs> that could play in the outfield. So I like the fact that we, with the newcomers coming in, I like the fact that the Cajuns, again, will be battle-tested early. I like that, you know. Um, again, 
You play Cal twice this weekend. You go to Mississippi State on Mardi Gras Day. So you go four games, and then two days later, you're playing a doubleheader against good SEC competition. And then you've got a Big 12 team coming in this weekend for three games. So, I mean, look, this is not your typical, let's, again, this is not your typical, let's play this easy schedule and pad our wins and pad our runs. They're, they're going to have to step it up early. I like that. I, I like it too, man, but we got to win some of those games this season. I you agree. Know? We said it. And look, we're not we're not taking the Liberty way on, on playing nobody important and, and getting 60 wins. We're, we're going out there and, and putting it on the line. You just have to hope that if we don't have a sexy record out of conference, the 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 regional selection committee will will respect what we have done against top competition. But again, you're leaving it to in the hands of of people who don't necessarily want people like us to succeed. So um, just just go out there. You control your destiny. Win the games and, and and let things happen from there. Don't give them an opportunity to have a narrative to keep you out. Go look, look. If you want to host, it's very simple. Go ten and five in those games. And then win your, com- your your conference. You're gonna host. Go to ten and five in the games. Win the conference. You host. It's that simple. Agreed. Agreed. And 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 you're definitely gonna find out in the first month uh, what this team is made of. Again, you've got doubleheaders against Oklahoma, defending national champions. You've got two games this weekend against Cal. Two games against Mississippi State. Three games against Baylor. Uh, two games against Texas. Two games against Stanford. And two games against the Tigers. So. I mean, at that point, that's 15 opportunities right there. If you can finish around 500, a little bit of a 500 with that schedule, and that's not including the Miami of Ohio's Liberties and whatnots of those other teams that went to regionals. I mean, even UCA, Central Arkansas, Magnese, those are some big key key wins if you can pull them off. So, I, I mean, RPI-wise, it definitely should help big time. I'm hoping, I, I think I think softball now, just like basketball and baseball, go by the quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four, the quadrant wins. I mean, that should help. So it'll be interesting. And, um, you know, the big question mark again, to me, besides these utility players and these players stepping in in the lineup is how do we replace a Shoreman and a Kendra Lamb? That's going to be the big question uh, to me in those pitches in the circle. Obviously, Sam Landry, she's, I mean, we know Sam is Sam, but, you know, what's Sam Ryan going to look like? What can we get out of Lexi Delbray? What can we get out of uh, Denali Lecker? I mean, what do they look like, right? So that's going to be, that's going to be, to me, that's going to be a, 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 kind of the, the 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 test against this this level of competition what they can do and what kind of depth we have in, in the circle that could carry us in the postseason well, you definitely need the depth to compete in a tournament t- type situation I think you still need Sam to take another step forward and I still think that Sam hasn't hit her ceiling I think there's room for improvement and if anybody's going to pull it out of her it's going to be Justin so I think that you need to yeah. see Sam take another step forward if you're going to be a top eight team you need Sam Landry to be the elite talent that she is. And she can't do it every now and then or some of the time. Every time she steps in the circle, it's her game. It's her circle. She needs to be elite every single time out. Now, I know that's asking a lot, but if you want to be a top eight team, if you want to go and compete in Oklahoma City, that's what you need. You need an ace, at least one. And then you need some quality depth behind her. So do I think she's capable? Absolutely. In fact, I expect it. But we got to see it. You know, one thing I noticed in the past, we've always recruited uh, locally, more more local. But uh, it looks like in this roster, we have, let's see, I'm looking at the roster. One, two, three. We've got, we've got three players from Louisiana. We've got Lillian Soto. I'm hearing she might be redshirting. She's an infielder from Ruston, went to Cedar Creek uh, High School. Uh, we also have from West Monroe, of course, Maddie Hayden. 
You know, she's become sort of like UL softball royalty between her and her sister. Uh, and of course, Gabby Stutes from STM. So we have one local player um, from, from Lafayette. But I tell you, uh, Coach Glasgow is definitely recruiting on more of a, not only a regional st- uh, scale, but a national scale. He's finding some players from around the country, not just, you know, locally, which I know a lot of times fans are kind of sentimental about that. But at the same time, I look at it like this. You get the best you can locally, but you go find the best of the best out there who can help you get get to Oklahoma City and have a chance to win a national title. I like the makeup of this roster. I like the fact that we brought two players from Florida. We brought a player from Iowa. We brought a player from St. Thomas, four D1 schools. I like the fact that we're bringing some players from from areas like in Texas. And also like the fact that we're we're getting some from, from even further away from there. I mean, whatever it takes to, again, whatever it takes to help us win, I'm all about it. No, I'm with you. And look, like you said, it's sentimental. You like to see the last name on the back of the jersey that you recognize. But the fact of the matter is we are a national you can almost, I wouldn't say powerhouse. We're one of the national powers in, in college softball. So with that, you get the attention from players across the country. And naturally, Coach Glasgow has made a name for himself as an excellent coach and recruiter. You know, these players saw us on ESPN last season beating TSAB and going to Washington. That that meant a lot to a lot of people who probably made a decision to come here and the hi- rich history of the program as well. So, yeah, I like to see local players, but I'm with you. We got to get the best players possible to put us in a position to get back to Oklahoma City and hell, win a national championship. And and whether that's with all local players or with that's a mix or with that's, you know, all out of state players, whatever that is, they're raging Cajuns and to me that's local. So I don't care where where you hail from, when you're a raging Cajun, you're a local player to me. And I think that's how we need to view it. Well, we previewed a little bit of the softball team. Um, it's very exciting. I, I just keep picturing uh, Haley Hayden catching that that fly out in left field down at Lady Tiger Park and just slamming the ball in the glove down on the grass and and watching that team uh, celebrate and jump and win their first regional in seven years. And hopefully we can do that at the next level in the in the Super Regional this year with a chance to go to Oklahoma City. I know this team has it in them. I know the mindset's there. Uh, and they've now we've seen that they've been there. They've seen that level of success. So uh, I know Coach Glasgow and his staff are going to have this team working hard. And um, it all starts tomorrow. So speaking of which, Cajuns officially open up the season tomorrow at Yvette Girard Field at Lamson Park. 38th annual Louisiana Classics. First pitch against the Chattanooga Mocs. Six o'clock first pitch. Uh, they'll do a double header or play a double header on Friday. Again, starting with Cal, the Bears at 1.30, followed by Chattanooga once again at 4. And then they'll also do a doubleheader on Sunday. So they get Saturday off. They'll do a doubleheader on Sunday, but it'll be early, early matchup, starting at 9 a.m. against the Lobos of New Mexico, followed by uh, the last game of the weekend for the Cajuns, the Cal Bears once again at 11 a.m. So Chattanooga Thursday, Cal and Chattanooga Friday, and, of course, New Mexico and Cal on Sunday, you can catch all the games on ESPN Plus. Uh, you can listen on 103.3 or 1420 AM. Cody Juno and Bobby Nova will have the play-by-play. Uh, just a just a heads up, if you take a look on social media, if you go to the website, because of Mardi Gras this weekend, uh, parking will be a little bit little complicated. So just make sure you follow the directions there. Know where to park, when to park, uh, with parades and whatnot and all kind of festive activities out at the Cajun Field 
parking lot. Um, also, the Cajuns will travel on Mardi Gras Day to Mississippi State. They will take on the Bulldogs at 4 o'clock as well as 6.30, so a doubleheader. You can watch the game on SEC Network Plus. Listen again on 103.3 The Goat or 14.20 AM. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty fired up about softball. Yeah, I mean, all they've got to do is, uh, you know, do what they did last season with with a little bit of improvement against that that top twenty five schedule, and um, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the ladies, and especially as as they gel again. You know, a lot of transfer players coming in, some freshmen that are going to be in the mix. It'll be interesting to see how that works out, but exciting for how things will will go for them this season. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And again, um, if you want to head out to Lampson Park this weekend, now's your chance. Hopefully the weather's good. Catch a parade. Go watch some softball if you're in town and uh, watch these ladies battle it out. They're a lot of fun to watch. They're always fun to watch. We have standards in our softball program. And so they want to be the best. They want to play the best and they want to beat the best. So you'll definitely get some good competition, uh, whichever game you choose out of the five games that they have this weekend. So should be a lot of fun. Best of luck to Coach Glasgow and the ladies. Let's take care of business this year. We'll cover a lot more softball as the season goes on. Okay, moving on to women's basketball. Uh, the Cajuns took on Marshall today. I believe Marshall had their education game. Didn't look so good for the Cajuns. Marshall took care of business against Louisiana, beating the Cajuns by the score of 74-42. to 42. Uh, Since the last time we met, the Cajuns were able to defeat Coastal Carolina. They beat Texas State, and they beat UL Monroe, but they lost to Southern Miss as well as Marshall today, uh, coming down to a 3-2 and two record since then. But their overall record right now, it sits at 9-12, and 5-7 and seven in conference play. Uh, Coach Gary Broadhead and the ladies will be back on Saturday in the Cajun Dome. They will take on Central Michigan, the Chippewas from the MAC. Uh, it'll be that Sunbelt, the second round of the Sunbelt MAC uh, matchup. And uh, that game will tip off at noon. Uh, just remember, admission is free. And you can listen to the game on 1033 The Goat or uh, 1420 AM. Now on to men's basketball. Uh, as you all know, we started this episode a little early. Uh, the game was still going on. Uh, the Cajuns hosted Georgia State tonight in the Cajun Dome. Um, I'm going to kind of rewind a little bit. Since the last time we met, the Cajuns had a seven-game win streak coming in. Uh, the last time we met, they took on Arkansas State in a doubleheader. Oh, not a doubleheader, but they played Arkansas State and they played Texas State. I say it's a doubleheader because it threw me off because when we played Texas State, the lights went out in the Cajun Dome. And, uh, of course, the fuse was blown down the road. Had to reschedule the Thursday night game for Friday and uh, had to push the Texas State game back to that Sunday instead of Saturday. Cajuns, they defeated Arkansas State 81-75. They beat Texas State by the score of 66-46. to And then, of course, they played ULM last week as well as South Alabama. They defeated the Warhawks 80-72 to and South Alabama 80-60. to So, they again, a seven-game win streak going into tonight. And basically, they ran into a second-half buzzsaw. Cajuns came in taking on Georgia State. Georgia State came in, I believe, with a 9-13 and record. And um, apparently, they've won some decent road games recently. But, you know, the Cajuns had a 24 out of 25 and wins in the Cajun Dome. 
And it looks like now it's 24 out of 26. Uh, just to let you know, the Cajuns outscored Georgia State in the first half by the score of 39 to 30. But the Cajuns were outscored in the second half by the score of 40 to 30 or 48 to 30. Uh, and of course, because of that, Cajuns drop a tough one at home to the Georgia State Panthers by the final score of 78 to 69. Um, now, one good thing of note tonight, congratulations. Kobe Julian became the 51st player in Louisiana Raging Cajuns basketball history to eclipse the 1,000 point mark. So congratulations to Kobe on that. And he was pretty much the offense tonight, 28 points. Uh, he had a great night, eclipsed that 1,000 point mark, but um, just wasn't the night for the Cajuns. Again, Typical Cajun basketball first half, very fast, played well, very athletic, shot from shot well from three-point range. Second half, things got a little sporadic. I thought they got a little outcoached, outmanned in the second half as far as uh, Georgia State's offense. They were a lot more aggressive in the second half. And um, look, they beat us. Hands down, they beat us, and we just couldn't capitalize. So um, we'll get some more stats in a little bit. I'll pull those stats up. Uh, and um, actually, I'll pull them up right now. Uh, the Cajuns' record now sits at 15 and nine, and eight and four in conference play. Uh, against again, this is their first conference loss in seven games. So, um, kind of a heartbreaking loss for the Cajuns. This was a game that you know you don't want this to come back to bite them later on in the year when you're in the conference race. I mean, the team was tied, I believe, for third place going into this game, and you know now you're trying to you're trying to win this conference and. You know, you look back at a game like this, if you if you maybe come in second place or third place by one or two games, this is the game you can look back and go, what happened? Um, so let's talk a little bit about the stats tonight. Cajuns from the field, they were 37%. Georgia State was 44.6%. From three-point range, uh, Georgia State was only 22%, but the Cajuns were 28.6%. Free throw percentage, Cajuns, 17 of 25 from the free throw range, 68%. Cajuns and Georgia State both had the same amount of rebounds. Total turnovers, Cajuns had eight. Georgia State had six. And this is where Georgia State beat us. They had 36 points in the paint. We had 24. So they played a lot better on the inside. Uh, we had 20 fouls. They had 19. I think the, the most heartbreaking point about this, about tonight, was the fact that Cajuns had a 14-point lead in the first half. And that dwindled away. And after that, they got outscored by, let's see, 14 plus nine. That's 23 point turnaround in the second half. That's rough. That is rough. Yeah, you kind of felt it, though, at halftime. And I didn't catch the second half because I was getting things ready for this. And I've been traveling all day. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what city I'm at at the moment. But it was, uh, yeah, You they got off to a really good start. Then then you kind of saw Georgia State chip away a little bit. And then I did turn it on in here with about five minutes to go. And, and they took the media timeout. And you could see, and, and it was right after we threw a terrible pass. I, I don't know who it was to or from. But, like, we threw a pass into the stands. And then you could see the Georgia State guys getting all fired up. And they were kind of patting each other on the back and, 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 engage with the coach and then we look like we were just arguing with each other like why did you do that no why did you do that and it, it was just, it looked like chaotic on our on our bench and the other guys were were kind of puffed up ready to go when you see that you kind of get the feeling with five minutes to go that the, the game's going to get away from you and it did so uh look you're going to drop games like this during the season you just wish it wasn't against a team like georgia state who hasn't been that great but 
three games in March, right? Is that is that the saying? <laughs> so, you know, what this matters is going to just this only matters for seeding in the tournament. You're going to have to win the tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. So does it really, does it really matter that much? I mean, it does when you're third place and you're talking about seeding in the tournament, but then again, what are we going to do the rest of the season is my question. We're, I mean, it looks right now as a really bad loss, but then if you pick it up from here and win a few games and you end up in the same position, you know, we're, we're not going to even think about this game again. So I'm just rambling because I'm tired. Back to you, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest. It's it's hard to lose a game like this because you, you let it slip off your fingertips. Again, the first half, everything's clicking. You, it was an 18-4 to four game to start. I mean, we were off to a really fast start, and then things started slowing down, and we just kind of, you know, we, we, we just started missing shots. We weren't making shots on the inside. Um I thought we were kind of forcing some shots here and there. We played a lot of times down to the we, we played the sh to the shot clock down to like one or two seconds. We were rushing shots a little bit there. Um, I, I just thought, look, Georgia State in the second half. I mean, look, we got out schemed. Let's call it what it is. And um, they made some shots on the inside. They actually drove down the lane quite a few times in the second half, um, and we just. We just couldn't match it. We couldn't match that intensity. And then when things start to slip, like you said, Nick, where we're throwing the ball out of bounds and kind of pointing the finger, you could definitely tell Georgia State got that momentum and they never gave it back. And that's when it becomes trouble. That's at that point, you just don't know how to handle that adversity. It, you just kind of knew. You're like, well, we're going to let this one slip away. And the reason what we knew is because we've seen this story before. Like that, that's common. When we get into trouble later in the game, then it's chaos. And that's when, when I say street ball and I don't like watching street ball, it's often at times when we're trying to press, when we're trying to score because we have to and, and not because we can. So that that can't kind of crept up again. And that's why we feel that way. It's because we've seen this before many, many times is when we get into those positions where we have to get a score, where we have to kind of keep it close so that we can have a chance at the end, then we get sloppy. And, and that's exactly what happened tonight toward the end of the game and what re really kept us out of it. And then some silly fouls that that I don't now look it's 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 some don't officiating, but there were some fouls that that were unnecessary on our end. So uh, just again, it's just undisciplined play that you see us when we start to press late in the game. And we saw that again and um, not surprising, but disappointing. I mean, 37 percent from the field. You're not going to win many games when you're 37% from the field. It doesn't matter who you play. Um, I mean, I'm looking at these stats right now. Um, you know, I mean, famous as much as we love him, he was three for 10 from the field. Kentrell Garnett was three for 10 from the field, two for two for seven from three point range, which is not normal for him. Um, what were the rebounds like? Michael Thomas was two for eight from the field, which is kind of upsetting because Michael Thomas has been on a roll lately. Tonight, he just kind of, you know, took a little bit of a step back, didn't have his best game. I mean, I'm, he'll bounce back, but, you know, that's where we play our best is when guys like Michael Thomas come in, give Themis some time to rest, and he steps up. Uh, Joe Charles is another one. You know, he's another one that's been been stepping up lately. Tonight, he had uh, 15 points, three, from, three for six from three-point range, five for nine from the field. I mean, 11 rebounds. And Joe... Uh, look, I said before the season, I mean, he's my fan favorite. I mean, if he, he's got a chance to be a first team all conference, I mean, the way he's playing right now. So um, it's good to see other guys step in, but also you need some help from the bench. And really, we didn't, we didn't get it. I mean, we got 
five points from the bench tonight. You mentioned Can't that, really many games doing you that. You mentioned we got outscored in the paint. What was the rebound numbers like? The rebound numbers weren't was not that they weren't that bad, believe it or not. The rebound numbers I'm looking here, I mean, it was they both had 36 rebounds. That's interesting. Greg Sam only had nine field goals in the second half. So obviously something was different. I don't know if we just what do we shoot in the first half, Jerry? Do you have the the split? I don't have the split, unfortunately. Um couldn't throw it in the ocean in the second half. That's what it sounds like. I guess not. I mean, you you got outscored by 18 in the second half. I mean, you you, you got outscored 48 to 30. Um, I mean, that 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 should tell you all you need to know as far as the tale of two halves. Um, I don't remember the last time we gave up that many points in a half this year. Well, I don't think we did. I'm not going to make a lot of comments because I didn't watch the game. I'm not going to pretend like I did. Um, I had other things going on, and it wasn't a priority. That's the truth. Uh, but we've beaten four teams during this seven-game winning streak. And look, I understand we won the games. You beat a really bad South Al team twice. You beat a really bad Texas State team, who, by the way, I think won. Did they beat App State tonight? Which is a that 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 goes to show yes. you that this Texas league, State did App State tonight. Yes, and they're bad, and we watched them be bad twice. And this league just doesn't make any sense. But we beat some bad teams, and that's what happens. Look, I give them credit for taking care of business, but. All of those teams that we beat during the seven-game winning streak, well, number one, most of it, or half of it was at home, and number two, it's against RPI net, or I, I keep saying RPI, net teams in the bottom third of the country. And I'm not taking it away from them. Those are wins. They should be counted, and I'm not trying to discredit the wins. However, to try to come up with the value of the team that you're watching when they're beating the daylights out of really bad teams, a couple of one of which were without their coach, uh, another of which were without some of their players. Like, we, we don't even know how good this team is. We know that they play hard. I'm talking about the Cajuns. We know we play hard. We know that we're out there with maximum effort every night. And I've said it many times. I don't know how good we are. I don't know how athletic we are. I don't, I don't know what the ceiling looks like. Uh, but I certainly know that you don't... A propaganda media sent out a hottest team in the country, one of the hottest teams in the country. This, this is why people don't go to your games, which, by the way, we haven't talked about attendance, and I'm sure we will, but... Oh, we will. We will. I, Josh, I don't mean to cut you off, but the, I did get up the second half stats, okay, by the way. Sure. But if you want to fin- go ahead and finish your thought, now I'll, I'll, I'll Well, share the, the thought is, is that if anybody was surprised, we, we might lose to a rival in Georgia State who absolutely owns us. Doesn't matter how good or bad they are. They absolutely owns us. Ron Hunter could be the coach. Uh, the, fairy, the fairy godmother could be the coach. Georgia State owns Bob Marlin for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but they always beat us. It's, just, it's so, it's aggravating. Ron Hunter on a scooter beat us. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on, yes. man. So, so anyway... I'm not surprised by the loss. I'm not going to get all up in arms about a loss. It's it's a bad loss because they're not a good team. They're coming in with a six-game losing streak in the Sun Belt, which is one of the worst leagues in America. I mean, that's the truth. Let's say the truth. We beat a bunch of bad teams during a seven-game winning streak, and half of which were at home. So who's surprised by this? Uh, go ahead, Jerry. Well, I was going to say, so I pulled up the second-half stats now. In the first half, where it really differed was the fact that the Cajuns actually had a better shooting percentage. Uh, the Cajuns shot 41% uh, from the field in the first half to Georgia State's 39. So it wasn't that different. Uh, where Georgia State messed up in the first half was they were one for nine from three point range. Cajuns were five for 14. So that made the difference. Now, where the, the big difference in the second half was 
Georgia State, 14 for 28 from the field. They were 50% in the second half from the field. Cajuns were 9 for 28, which is 32%. They were also, uh, Georgia State was 33% from three-point range. Cajuns were 20, uh, 21.4% from three-point range. And Georgia Southern, 17 free throws made out of 22 attempts. Cajuns were 9 of 14. So, um where they beat us in the second half, they were 50% from the field. We were 32% and they were 77% from free three uh, from the free throw line while we were 64% from the free throw line. So both our field goal and free throw percentages in the second half and three point percentage in the second half were all lower than our entire percentages uh, of the entire game. So it was just a bad second half for us. Well, you we just said shoot. it. They dominated we the second half. Free throws. They dominated yeah, the second half. Free throws. Uh, we were out-rebounded by four rebounds. Um, let me see how many fouls we had. How many offensive think. rebounds of that? Each team had three. They had 17 defensive rebounds. We had 13. Uh, we turned the ball over five times. They turned it over three times. And That's pretty clean. They had, they had, oh, here's the twist. Bench points. They had 11. We had zero in the second half. I mean, look, it's not like they won the game in the margins. They dominated the second half. But we were told that you can't win on the road, so I'm not sure how that happened. I was waiting for that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, look, if they're going to use it as their propaganda stuff, I'm going to use it when there's a, a reason to use it. Everybody's scared to play Bob in the Dome, but we lose to Georgia State when they are in a, a, a six-game losing streak. Wow, and JMU lost to Arkansas State. What's going on, man? That's what They're I'm saying. Fraud. The league. That's why <laughs> JMU is a fraud. There's no question about that. But the league is just dumb. It's, it's just one of those. Look, there's some familiarity. I understand that it's league play or whatever. But we, but we watch the Cajuns play State. They are not good. That's not a good basketball team. I, I would say they're probably better than in years past, but they're still not good. But this is nothing like in football where every team, most teams in the league, are solid. And you have to beat each other up because you're all good teams. It's like this is the opposite. <laughs> like nobody's good, so we're just beating each other up. It's a pillow fight. It's a it's a it's a yeah. couch throw pillow fight. That's what it is. You know what I'm really upset about? I'm happy that JMU lost tonight, though. I can't wait to get on Twitter and give them hell. <laughs> you know what I'm really upset about? That boots prediction was not fulfilled. He said we would be 18 and 8 going into the App State game and unfortunately we're now 15 and 9. But he has some thoughts. He has some thoughts on Rage and Page and he said nothing changed tonight except lessons taught. Sometimes they can be good. Goal in the Sun Belt is to finish in the top 4 and get a double bye. We will take care of Bowling Green on Sunday with some heavy duty defense. New streak on the way. All right. All right. I like the optimism. It's traitors. It's Mardi Gras season. That voodoo's out there. Sometimes it ruins, you know, it 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 messes with his shawls in his head. So you give him a pass this one time. That's fair. You can you look, you can't, you can't, you can't go 10 out of 10 in predictions all the time, right? Nine out of 10 is not bad. It's not bad. It's still 90%. It's still an A for certain grading scales. So it's okay. Hey, I like the optimism. Now, I'm gonna turn a little bit negative to some people. But I'm going to ask, and I'm, I want you guys' opinions on this. Josh, I know you were chomping at the bit. We talked about it earlier, and it's actually going to be a funny <laughs> segment. I always say that. I'm not chomping at anything. I'm right here. You're right there. It's all good. <laughs> Attendance numbers came out for this week. And, you know, a few weeks ago, Coach Bob Marlin was in the press conference talking about getting more people to the game and how we were in ninth place and how 
we were playing well. And apparently I think we had won them. We were the most successful team or something like that. And we had, we won 21 out of 22 home games or whatever. We went from ninth place two weeks ago in the middle of that win streak. And now we are sitting at 11th place out of 14 teams. I think going into tonight, we averaged 1,845 fans. It looks like Rage and Page and all of social media, including ourselves, are asking, what can we do? Um, I, I don't want to be included in that. I don't, I'm not asking what we can do because I know what we can do. They don't want to do it. It's not good. Well, I'm not saying anything because a certain coach's wife blocked me on Twitter who I've never interacted with in my life, so apparently I'm too negative. You're negative, Nick. You're all a bunch of negative Nellies. But look, the perfect example I gave you was living in here in Houston. I went to the Rice Series in baseball last year. I get a call seven days ago from an intern at Rice saying, hey, notice that you went to the games. Would you like to buy an eight-game ticket package for 125 bucks?" She was like, it, you don't have to make any donations to anyone else. It's tax deductible. You know, if you'd like to come check out some more Rice Baseball, I'm like, well, I'm a Louisiana fan. You know, we played you guys one weekend. She goes, oh, well, we'd, if do you, if you love college baseball, we're going to have some really good teams. She noted a couple of big games, and she's like, it's eight, eight games that you can go to. You can choose whichever games you want. Didn't it involve a charitable um, donation as well? Some char- children's charity? Yeah, and then it goes to a charity, right? Yeah, yeah. So... I was like kind of testing her a little bit. I was like, look, I'm in the middle of something. Call me later. As soon as we hung up the phone, I got an email from her saying, hey, glad we got to talk. I'm going to give you a call Monday afternoon at three o'clock. Can't wait to uh, to to talk more about this. Guess who called me today at three o'clock or Monday rather at three o'clock? The intern from Rice. I gave her one hundred twenty five bucks and I said, thank you for calling me. I'm not even a fan. I want you to donate those tickets to someone else. Uh, maybe that children's charity that my money's going to donate those tickets to them. But that's the kind of interactions we need with our athletic department and marketing team and getting interns on the phone, asking people to come to the games because I get that we're sitting out the tweets. I get that we're on Facebook, sitting out the Facebook stuff, but you got to do more than that. If you really want to engage the community and do more than that is not have a coach go into a press conference and say, well, we need people to show up, but we're one of the best teams in the country. And like all this propaganda stuff like you were talking about, Josh, get out in the community. Do some youth, some youth uh, like like baseball's doing, some youth camps. If we had a mascot, we'd send them out, but we don't have one. That's a whole nother topic. But the point is, the reason I gave money to Rice that I have no connection with is because they asked me for it. And how many times do we talk about me wanting to call RCAF to give money and nobody calls me back. And the fact that I went to two, three games at Rice, they're calling me and somebody else had a similar experience. It was a great experience. She made me want to give money to Rice University. That's the kind of stuff that we need to do in basketball if we want to get people in. We can't just show up and say, well, we're on a so-and-so win streak, so come to the games. There's no, Look, concessions are outrageous. You look at what Southern Miss charges for a hot dog, $2, and what we charge, like a half a mortgage. It It's hard to convince people to come. And I get the Ticketmaster thing's going to be fixed, and that's great. Thank you, administration, for that. But once you get them in the game, then you got to pay for concessions, and it's $10 for a bottle of water. There's a lot that needs to be worked out. And look, I know the people out there that say move it to Blackham. Blackham's never going to happen. I, you know, I, I get that's very nostalgic. It it won't happen. So we can stop saying that, unfortunately, because I would love to be in Blackham. 
But the fact is, if if you're in this, you're in this venue, you're stuck in there, you're not going anywhere, and you get a couple hundred fans, and then say it's 12, 1500, and you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're gonna get the same result. So switch it up, try something different, try what Rice is doing. But we don't even try. We just say, hey, we're winning. Seven game win streak. Come out. Not going to work. So, 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 uh, so Brian Maggard was on an interview with Jay uh, that came out recently. And one thing that he said and he emphasized was the fact that we have now that Pacquiolan is officially underway or the contract, ticketing contract of Pacquiolan is officially underway. Uh, apparently we hired uh, a full, a full fledged ticket staff that is under the auspice of UL instead of the Cajun Dome. And I believe we have a Salesforce team that will be going out into the community to promote. Um, not to mention, I also want to say that there's some other marketing things that they're putting forth effort with right now. So apparently, according to, to, to Dr. Maggard, he's very optimistic because for the first time in a long time, he felt, and he said, and I quote, we felt like we've caught up. We're finally caught up and they had their fully staffed. So now to Josh's point, like you, Josh always says, you've always said it, man. It's not about what I it's not about what they say, it's about what they do. So you now have a full staff, you've got a ticketing team, you've got a marketing team, you know, you're fully staffed, you're caught up. Let's see it. Let's see it. You've got the new Pacquiolan contract. Let's see it. Who's leading them? Who's setting the standard? Who's telling them what needs to be done? Uh that I don't know. It's the same I people. No There's idea. nobody new. So nothing's gonna change. That's my opinion. Whatever. I'm not gonna rant tonight because I'm just gonna say the same things I always say. But Nick mentioned getting in the community and the youth programs that baseball does and has always been a great asset for the program, especially future fans, et cetera. You know, we have a guy here that used to play basketball for the Cajuns, has a a robust youth uh, camp, uh, league, uh, development center. He does it all in the Cajun Dome. Has plenty of of connections to Cajuns basketball. Uh, His... Father-in-law is a, a an employee and a coach at, at UL. He's totally ignored and shut out by the the coach, the current UL coach. Totally shut out. In fact, he goes out of his way to not show up to his events to be petty, out of spite. I don't really know. But there's a massive disconnect between the current head coach and the guy that develops more youth basketball in this area than anybody. Does anybody think that might have some sort of uh, impact on the people that might show up at the Cajun Dome? Because I do. I mean, Brad Boyd is getting more middle school basketball players in the Cajun Dome for a camp than we have average attendance. That's a fact, folks. I can give you some numbers. But Josh, here, here's the problem. Again, being associated with the university for so long... Anybody who challenges the status quo is immediately going to get pushed aside. You're not and loyal. Think, and that's exactly what's happening. Not if loyal. Fall, if you don't fall in line, then you don't belong. I've seen it firsthand. Trust oh, me. I, and I know you're I know you're exactly 100% correct, but it's just hilarious to me that we got people, If and I know you all have all noticed because it's got to it's gotta have come from the top where they're saying, hey, please go find people to come to our games. And now you have all these fans and all these boosters and everything walking around with their hands in the air going, how can we engage people to come to our games? How can we market better? How can we entice folks to want to come to our games? You're just talking. Talking is useless. It's a waste of time. 
what are you doing? Is Bob gonna t- t- is Bob gonna be an adult and walk across the aisle to Brad and say, "I know that you are in front of five to seven thousand youth basketball players, coaches. You have connections to high schools. You are a high school basketball coach. You have the connections to, co- to the community that I could only dream of. How can we make this work for the betterment of the program? Not not be petty because of Bob Marlin, and not be petty because of Brad Boyd and whatever he said in the past, or what they have a disagreement on, or what Jenny said on social media, because that's what it's about right now. When is Bob going to be an adult and walk across the aisle, stick his hand out, and say, "How can we fix fix this problem for the betterment of UL basketball?" So don't walk around and tell all of your followers to go ask people how we can engage people to come to our games when you're not willing to actually do the work that's necessary. Jerry had a conversation with a good fan, and I got a lot of respect for this particular fan, and he's going to know who I am when I say this. But his very first, his words were, how do we get people in the dome for games? Forget about who the coach is. How do we get people? Well, sir, you can't forget about who the coach is. That's, That's a major part of the issue. That's a major part of it's like saying, okay, look, you got a new you got a roof and, and you got a it's a total roof replacement. And 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 then the guy says, Well, well, forget about the roof being needed to be replaced. What about if we just change these shingles over here to the left? Won't that fix it? Won't that stop the leaks if we just change these few singles? No, sir. You need a roof replacement. You're not understanding what I'm trying to tell you. They want to they want to ignore the genesis of the problem. They don't want to attack what it actually takes to get the people back engaged. They want to seem like they, and look, I'm sure they want the result of having the people back in the stands. We all want people back in the stands. But it's going to take a lot of work on a lot of people's part. It's going to take some people swallowing their pride. It's going to take some people that aren't happy with the status quo that's basketball right now, even you know, saying, hey, you know, we got we to give more chances where we haven't in the past. But it starts at the leadership level, and that has not happened. And it, to my, to my knowledge, as far as where we are now, it, it's not even on the table. When a, when a fan who's out there trying to get people to come to the game starts a conversation with, forget who the coach is, well, I mean, that's a little ridiculous because that's the major part. That's the biggest part of the problem. And I said on, so, I said on social media today, I said, look, the kids deserve our support. You, you have to be able to voice your opinion and your displeasure with the leadership, but still separate that from supporting the guys that wear Louisiana across the jersey. And I'm keenly aware of that. That's why I've been going to the games lately. But the buy-in could be so much. Jerry talks about opportunity costs all the time. I am a perfect example of that. I give to all sports, most sports, almost all sports. I don't have basketball season tickets. I don't give to the Rebounders Club. I don't go and do travel ball, uh, travel the team around to go to the, the conference games. I don't go and 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 I spend as, as few amount of dollars as I can on Cajuns basketball because I do not believe in the standard and I do not believe in the vision. I bet you there are a lot more out there just like me. And it starts at the top. Nobody can say the, the problem with Marlon. I think it, at this stage is that it's always somebody else. There's an excuse here, and there's an excuse there. And Maggard's starting to be this way. Everybody else is to blame. It's the fan. It's the Cajun Dome. It's the ticket prices. It's the concessions price. No, man, you've been here 14 freaking years. It's your program. Maybe look in the mirror. Maybe you can start there. Maybe the conversation starts with looking in the mirror. Why is there a disconnect? Has Bob Marlin done everything he can to engage the community? That's a resounding hell no for me. Have you hired people in place that know how to communicate with this, this, this community? Hell no, you don't. You hired, you hired somebody that is, has a, a doctorate in freaking propaganda. 
And that's what you see all over the social media and the messaging and everything that goes out to the fans that you just can't figure out why they won't show up to your games. This shit is not rocket science. It's what we always say. You got to be in the community. You got to be selling and you got to be giving people reasons to come to your games. Their biggest problem that they don't want to address, and I'll throw it to you guys because like I said, I don't want to rant. Biggest problem is there's nothing interesting about a middle-of-the-road Sunbelt basketball team. There's nothing interesting about that. What's interesting is a national power, like we just talked about, softball. It's a Title IX sport. It's a sport that is not, you know, it doesn't have the level of popularity that football or basketball has. But here, we created a culture and a standard, and people want to follow it because it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to know that you're competing nationally at your, your park right down the street. You're playing against the Oklahomas and the, and the UCLA's and all these guys, the girls. That's interesting to follow. There's nothing interesting about losing to Georgia State on a six-game losing streak on a regular old Wednesday afternoon. Nobody cares about that. That's not interesting. That's why you don't have interest. And, and the fact that Bob Marlin has been praising menial accomplishments for 14 years and telling us it's, it's the most incredible thing and I'm the winningest, winningest coach in the Sunbelt history. And you, you, are, you are doing... I don't want to get too psychological. Jerry and I had this conversation, but you cannot praise menial accomplishments. It, it reduces growth. It makes people not want to go and, and get better. You're telling them that what they've done, is just good enough. It's good enough. It's fine. What the, this is actually really, really good. It's better than you even think. And in reality, it's not. It's an average, it's an average accomplishment. He's beaten average teams, and what they're, they're getting on social media saying we're one of the hottest teams in the country. We're not one of the hottest teams in the country. We've beaten four bad teams, half of them at home. We've beaten teams we should be beating. That doesn't mean we're one of the hottest teams in the country. It means the sketch was broken our way. It, it, I almost wrote, I almost quote tweeted that tweet from the actual basketball account and said, if you want to know why people don't come to your games, this is exhibit A. This is what people don't want to hear. I don't want to be told that we're beating the dregs of college basketball, but we're one of the hottest teams in the country. It's... Communication's terrible, engagement's terrible, and they're running around with their hands up to the sky saying, I just don't understand why nobody wants to come to our games. How can we fix it? How can we fix it? I can tell you how you can fix it, but y'all don't listen. Y'all don't want to hear how you fix it. That's it. Well, how do you fix it? Let's hear it. Why? Jerry, it's how not many change times anything. have we said it? It's not going to change anything. We've said it. We've come here for three, four years and said it. We've given them tasks, and like, literally bullet points on what to freaking do. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. If they wanted to do it, they could fix the problem tomorrow. Will Wade walked into to Lake Charles and in six months has doubled their average attendance. He's gotten a $700,000 contract when they know he's not going anywhere because of show cause. He has, look at the interest. Look at the money the local economy is making. They were getting top 25 votes before, unfortunately, they lost to uh, Southeastern the other night. I think it was Southeastern that they lost to. Um, they have resurrected McNeese basketball. He's done it in six months with one recruiting class, and he missed the first, what, five or six games? Ten games. He missed the first ten games, yeah. And still found a way to beat Bob. I'm telling you, it's not because they can't fix it. It's because they don't want to fix it. Status quo is status quo. It rules the day. Nobody wants to get uncomfortable. They want to go sit on the front court. They want to feel important, and they want to run the program, and that's what they're doing. And Martin Hall lets them do it, and T. Joe lets them do it, and Magger lets them do it, and everybody's happy. As soon as you push back, you're the asshole. We're the jerks because we're talking about the real issues. This is always how it's going to be as long as the same people are employed. They don't want to well, fix I mean, it. Take, but, like, take a look at the table room, okay? The Cajun Dome 
built a table room in the front and it's never used. I don't even know if they use it for concerts. They keep it closed down for concerts, if I'm not mistaken, at times or whatever, WWE events or whatever. And when you go to a basketball game, you you barely are allowed to get food and drink unless you're a Rebounders Club member. Well, if there's only 100 Rebounders Club members and, and you have a restaurant or a bar slash grill inside of a 12,000-seat arena, don't you think you should allow more access? You're putting up gates. You're putting up a gate to something that nobody's waiting on the other side of. There's not people barging down the gate to get into the table room. There's nobody at the games. Look, tonight's attendance. Little over 1,600. That 1845 average I just gave, now we're down to 1,824 fans a game. That's what we average. And you're trying to create this limited access to something that nobody goes to anyway. So, so, so again, you're trying to say, how do we get people to games? You're trying to ask, what do we do to get the games, make the games more engaged, get more excitement? But then when we say, like you said, when we tell you what to do and we give you feedback as paying customers, we're either being negative, we're being too critical, or you just don't listen, or we can't do it. And one of the things about softball, Josh, that you brought up, and I'm glad you brought that up. Look, the excuse about the Sun Belt being a one-bid league, they're in the 24 straight postseason appearances that softball has, has had, okay? A lot of those years have been in the middle of one-bid leagues in the Sun Belt. That didn't stop the Cajun softball team from trying to reach their ultimate goal because it's a one-bid league. We got to stop with the excuses. Got to stop with the excuses. We got to stop making, giving every reasons under the sun of why we can't. And so now what you've done, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's like I told you earlier, Josh, when you cry wolf that many times, well, we can't succeed because of this. We don't have money. We play in it. Our facility's too big. We don't get to charter flights. We don't get to do this. We don't get to do that. And you give that many excuses to the general public, the ones who aren't as intuitive as we are to the basketball program. Well, an ordinary average Joe, Joe and Mary Smith, who may look at this as leisure, go, well, heck, man, if I'm hearing all this stuff, if we're not playing up to a certain standard and we can't do this, we can't do that, why would I spend my money on that? I'm not going to the game. I got other things to do Well, standard, I feel more entertained. The standard thing is it comes from like real sports fans. We want to win because we want to compete nationally. Joe and Mary Smith really don't care about the standard. Joe and Mary Smith want to be entertained. They want something interesting. They want to follow it like a soap opera. They want to watch a Netflix series. That's why they go to the games. They got nothing else to do. Their kids are grown. They're empty nesters. They want something that's interesting to follow. Sunbelt basketball is not interesting. And middle of the road Sunbelt uh, basketball is even less interesting. But but it's 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 your kid coming home from fourth grade and you're praising C's like they're A's. That's what we've been doing in this basketball program since Marlon was hired. And everybody sees through it. The jig is up. The reason why you have 16 and 1,800 people showing up to your games is because that's what should show up to your games. That's the people that you have left. That's your target market. These are the people that you've been able to fool. Everybody else is at home doing other stuff because they, they're not falling for the propaganda anymore. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that they're surprised. I am surprised <laughs> that they're surprised nobody's at their freaking games. Of course nobody's at your games. Have you listened to the excuses this man has made for 14 years? It's a joke. I mean, it. it who still follows this seriously? Of course everybody jumps on the bandwagon, and I say that in air quotes because that's what the Rebounder Club will tell you. In March, when we look like we might actually compete, because what happens on the other side of that? 
some national competition, something interesting. Something interesting happens if you win the tournament and you get into the big dance. That's the difference. Nobody gives a damn about middle of the road, Thursday, Wednesday afternoon, Sunbelt basketball against, you know, 12 and 12, who gives an F team? Nobody cares. That's one of their biggest problems. And, and, and look, they're, they're going to come up with every excuse they can find as to why they're going to blame the fan for not showing up to the games and ignore the real issues because certainly it's not their fault. Certainly it's not their issue. They're winning games. They're winning games. You're not winning games. You're winning games against the dregs of college basketball, and you're treating it like you're winning the ACC. Stop. Say nothing. Just let the kids play. Let the chips fall where they may, and let's see what happens. I mean, look, I thought our our I, I was proud of us. I thought that we had pivoted, supporting the kids as much as we could. We put our leadership issues aside. We had been very vocal about trying to get people to the games. I started showing up to games. I thought we were on the right the, the right trajectory, and then here we go with this foolishness again. You know, you got the the propaganda back on the on the social. There's a reason why 1,600 people are going to your games. There's a reason, and it's not the fans' fault. It's not the fans' fault that they don't want to buy your product. It's your fault that you don't put out a product. It, they just they, they'll never buy into that, which is it's just hilarious because it's so obvious at this point. I think the hard part about where the challenges they face. Um, trying to bring more people to the games. I see a resemblance of what happened in baseball after 2012. Um, up until that time, you know, Tony Robichaux had not gone to a regional more for more than two years or had missed a regional for more than two seasons at a time. And 2012 was that second season. But not only was it the second season, we finished with a 23 and 30 record and we basically didn't even make the conference tournament. And our season ended at the hands of a 17 to zero loss at home to the ULM. And there were there were some people and there were some rumblings going, man, has has Tony ran out of that energy? Does he still have it in him? Is it time? Is it time for him to retire or maybe go move into the administrative position and be a fundraiser or whatever? And what did he do to respond? He just created the four years, a four-year run of the greatest running Louisiana baseball, Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball history from 2013 to 2016. Now, why do I bring that up? It's like I said going into this season. If if you want the fans to show up to basketball games, we've had 13 years of up and down. We make the dance in 2014, 2015, we go to some consolation tournament. We finish like fourth or fifth in the conference. 2018, we win the regular season, go to the NIT. 2019, we finish in fifth place and lose to a bunch of bad teams by like 20, 20 plus points. And then the coach is on, on, on the radio saying the reason why we lost is because we have a target on our back and altitude and all these crazy excuses. When, that, when you do that for 13 years and you have the ups and downs for 13 years with no consistency, consecutive seasons, what do you expect? How do you expect the public to react to that? How do you expect the public to react to that? And to cap it I mean, off, you have the best team. They were saying that this was the best Raging Cajun basketball team, 17-18, right? Remember 17-18, 27-win team. They were in the media saying this is the best basketball team that we had ever had. Which is absurd because we won the Alaska shootout and beat the Hoyas. And I mean, we have a real history in this program. But they were saying that this 27-win team was the best team we had ever had at the school. And you don't even make it to the conference championship. That's when a lot of people said, you know what? I'm just, I'm done listening to this foolishness. You're telling me the best field, the best team that you can put on the court can't make it to the conference final in a sunbelt because Gant had a stomach ache and Stove rolled his ankle? Like, like People, I think that that broke, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of folks. But you made a comment earlier about, about Robe. 
Robe had a several, I mean, what was it, like 12 or 13 years straight where every, at least every, he didn't go more than two years without making a postseason. Imagine if every Marlin, third season, every third season he was making a. Regional. Imagine yeah. if Marlon made the tournament every third season. You think anybody would have an issue with Bob Marlon coaching at this university? I promise you, I wouldn't say a word. I mean, it, the, the double standard that exists among the programs is is criminal. There is no standard in basketball. There is none. Look at Gary. Gary's up and down all the time. Anybody talking about firing Gary? No. Nobody, nobody talks about that. If you even mention firing Bob, you're a jerk. But anytime Deg says, I want to go to Omaha and doesn't get to Omaha, well, yeah, but Deg's made an at-large. He, he got picked as an at-large. Well, it doesn't matter. He didn't go to Omaha. These are the same fans that say Bob Marlin's the greatest thing we ever had here as a coach. It, it's truly baffling. I, I'm, I'm going to give it to y'all to finish you know, the no, thought. The, 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 the double standard is is definitely crazy there, and it just goes to show you how segmented our fan base is. Uh, when you have a favorite sport at UL, you're going to stick with that sport, and you're going to definitely have uh, your certain personal unintentional biases there. But look, at the end of the day, um, you know, to your point about bringing people to the games, if you have a certain standard and you have good competition and you're beating good teams and you're making good runs, I think that's what it's going to take to get people back to the games besides just the marketing. You know, you saw what JMU did at Michigan State. They beat Michigan State. You saw what Magnese did beating VCU uh, the first game of the season. <laughs> and I mean, people are showing up to their games. This Magnese team has not had a winning season in a decade, I believe. I think they've had like one winning season in the last 10 or 11 years and they're doubling our attendance average right now. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think it, you know, if you want people to show up to your games, you got to win and you got to win big. It's not just beating a nine and 14 Texas state team. It's not beating a eight and 15 ULM team. You have to win and you have to win big. You know, when you schedule non-conference games and you go to TCU, Baylor, Memphis, whoever, you got to go beat them. That's what opens eyes. I mean, I'll tell you what opened people's eyes in 29, uh, 2017 and 2018 before the 27 win run was when they beat Iowa. They went to, what was it, in the Cayman Islands or one of those tournaments in the Caribbean. They beat Iowa by double digits and spanked them. Now, granted, Iowa wasn't good that year, but it's still Iowa. You still beat a good team. I think that's what it'll take to get more fans to the game and consistency. And it's it's just, you know, the marketing's not there. Uh, half the people don't know we even had a game tonight. Um, it, you know, I, I asked this question about attendance because it's a problem. Whether you like the coach or not, whether you feel the direction the basketball program's going, with the history we have, um, and, and, and all this idea about moving to Blackham, look, it's not going to change the fact that you're averaging 1,800 people. 1,800 people in Blackham looks just as bad as it does in the Cajun Dome. It's a bigger problem than what venue you play at, you know? Um, because look, again, the argument is, well, if we, you know, you put 5,000 in the Cajun Dome, it still looks empty. You're not even putting 2,000 in the, in the Cajun Dome right now. You're not even putting, you, you can't even get 2,000 people to the game. So I think it goes beyond just the venue. I think it goes beyond just, you know, well, these kids play hard. Yeah, of course they play hard. I mean, the, the attitude I'm hearing is, oh, these players play so hard. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want any players on our team that don't play hard. We gave them a scholarship to play hard, so they're doing a job. The problem of is, course. that's the other thing about basketball. We praise people doing their job. Like, like again, it's the whole thing. You get, people expect a bonus for showing up to work on time in basketball. In baseball, Tony would say you earn the right to do more. In basketball, you've arrived. It's just, it's just, I'm so frustrated. I'm just ranting, but it, 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 I hope they play hard. That's what you're here to do. I'm not ranting because I'm tired of the conversation because we have it every week and nothing changes. So 
what's the point of getting upset about it anymore? Look, Robe never had excuses. Robe blamed himself when we lost. That's why Jerry people love have him. excuses. That's why people love Jerry him. takes it. If he, if they they go on a losing streak, streak, Jerry says I got to do a better job as a coach. You know, he Robe Robe didn't want people to praise him for six hundred wins. He, he he didn't care about that crap. He didn't he didn't want to talk about it. You never heard it come out of that man's mouth. That's why that's why they were engaged with the program. He ran away from that kind of stuff, actually. But but Nick, I know we talk about this every week. I think what's kind of curious, what piques my curiosity now is there's there's fans who, some of which have defended the coaching staff at every angle, wondering why people aren't showing up to the games now. And it kind of brings back and reiterates the point of like, look, we told you what it would take. But Jerry, if they don't listen, then what's the point of even talking about it? Like if they're not going to listen, exactly. I'm not going to. I'm not going to argue with them. Exactly. I mean, I mean, look at the fact. Let's talk about Elon Musk. Now you can like or hate the guy, but there was a video that came out where he was walking around and one of the rockets that he was building, he was he was escorting a guy around who was like a, a YouTube guy, and the guy said, "Well, why don't you do it this way?" And he stopped mid sentence and he's like, "Hmm, never thought of that." And like two months later, he's doing what this guy suggested at the top of his head to, to better his product. He didn't, he didn't tell the guy you're an idiot. Why would you even think about that? We're, we're great. Look at us. I've got a rocket. Who do you think you are? He listened. He thought about it. He made the change and he's better for it. But instead we get chastised as the people who complain and, and while they sit on their thrones and, and, and are happy with mediocrity. So I'm not going to argue with those people anymore. If you want to be mediocre, be mediocre with your 500 fans a game. And and but don't come to me asking why things are the same way that they have been for years. I'm tired of talking about it. Make changes or accept it for what it is. Perfectly said. It's true. Because they don't want to do what it takes to get people to the games. That's that was my point from earlier. That was the whole point. Stop putting your palms in the sky and saying, "Oh, how do we get the people to the game?" We told you how to get the people to the games. We told you how to do it. Listen to us or shut the hell up. And on that note, we'll move to a happier note. Uh, just to review, again, Cajuns dropped the game to Georgia State tonight. They'll be back in action on Sunday against Bowling Green. Uh, that will be the MAC Sunbelt Challenge. Uh, they'll take on the Bowling Green Falcons this Sunday at the Cajun Dome. Tip-off will be at 2 p.m. You can catch the game on ESPN Plus or listen on 96.5 FM. Hey, and all you people who claim to not like the Chiefs and don't like Taylor Swift and all this stuff, if you really don't like all that stuff, go to the Cajuns game instead. I'll be there. I'm going to watch basketball. Go. I'm going to go watch Bobby Ball instead of watching Tay Tay on the uh, on the big screen. Hey, look, man, she's got to get there on time from Japan. Okay, it, it is it is the humanity. Fact that you even know it. that, Jerry? I don't know what that it means. Tells me but everything that I need to know. I just don't care, <laughs> and I can't wait to go to basketball instead of watching that. I know. I agree with you on that. I mean, it's 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 become overkill. But anyway, so speaking of basketball on Sunday, I won't be able to make the game unfortunately because I will be coming home from New Orleans to celebrate a little bit of Mardi Gras down in the 504, which brings me to the next topic. Mardi Gras is this week. Mardi Gras officially kicks off. We got the parades rolling. Uh, we had parades rolling last weekend. Rio rolled on Saturday. We had the uh, Courier de Mardi Gras on Sunday at Vermilionville. Josh, you brought the family out there. Uh, of course, um, we've got parades all weekend leading up, and we got a bunch of chicken runs around Acadiana. Mardi Gras is in full swing. So talk a little bit about your plans, guys. What do you have planned this weekend for Mardi Gras? What are you looking forward to? And, uh, you know, what are some traditions you guys do to celebrate the week? I live in Texas. 
they don't know what Mardi Gras is here. So <laughs> it's it's a Tuesday. No, but I will. Uh, I do take off every year. I'm going to be doing the Mardi Gras run. Plan on going to the parade on Saturday night, but we're going to see. It's we're supposed to get some really bad rain here on Saturday and Sunday. So don't say that. Please yeah. don't jinx no, it. No, I'm saying in Texas. I'm not saying in, in oh, Lafayette. Okay. okay so good, good, I'm not good. a big fan of driving through that construction on a three hour drive through pouring rain. That's not a fun situation. So we'll see when I make it down to Lafayette area. Uh, but yeah, definitely on Tuesday, I'll be doing the Mardi Gras run rain or shine dressed up in my stupid outfit. And uh, it'll be a good time. I've done that every year for the past few years. And I uh, there, there's a guy. Oh, shoot. I, I said his name the other day. He he does some uh, some political reporting in Baton Rouge. I invited him one year and uh, he, he was like, this is absolutely insane. And I'm like, I know it, it really is. But it's a lot of fun. So if you haven't done it, I encourage you to do it once in your life because uh, it's something that you have to experience. I can't really explain it to you. That's a good way. It's chaos, but it's our chaos. It's our yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah. If you've good never, point. if you've never done a run or done a traditional Mardi Gras or chase the chicken, if you don't have the the bravery to go out and chase the chicken, at least go and watch them do it. Um, every weekend of the Rio Parade uh, on Sunday, Vermilionville hosts a traditional Mardi Gras run, and they speak French. They sing the songs. They actually, you know, if you've been to Vermilionville, for those not familiar, it's just an old settlement that they've preserved. And they go to from house to house, and they have uh, people who role play and and you know pretend like they live there. So it's a full experience. It it shows you exactly what it looked like back then, and it's a bunch of guys in poverty dressed <laughs> dressed in a costume trying to get ingredients for a gumbo. It's it's really great. Uh, if you live in this area, Vermilionville does a really good job. Uh, they have Cajun music. Poop Arts actually put on a king cake um, uh, class on how to make a king king cake at home and. Uh, I didn't stay for that, but I'm sure that that's cool. They do a good job anytime they're out doing demonstrations. But but it was really cool. The kids loved it. They learned the songs. They learned the the real Mardi Gras songs. They, I just believe in teaching the kids the roots of what it all comes from. It's easy to look at Mardi Gras and think it's just foolishness and it's just you know it's hard to understand. You know it's it's boobs and beads, but it's really not. I mean, carnival is one thing. Uh, old fashioned Mardi Gras is something completely different. And in Acadiana, it's I think it's beneficial to know where it came from. So get out there, do a do a cootie if you can, and uh, go chase a chicken, and get out to Church Point or Eunice or Vermilionville if you want a more. See, Vermilionville is a little bit more of a franchisey uh, demonstration. If you want the real, <laughs> I can take you to some places. Church Point, yeah. Eunice. Oh yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we did that this past weekend, and looking forward to the parades uh, this weekend. I've lived in Lafayette for seventeen years, and I still have not gone to a Cajun Mardi Gras. I need to go. Not for the faint of heart, but it is an experience you won't forget. I definitely, definitely need to is. go. I, yeah, because I, I, you know, I've got friends from Church Point. I've got friends from, you know, who've been in the Mamu Mardi Gras, and they all talk about how great it is. I've seen videos. I've seen all kind of footage of it, and I, I know it's a blast. It's a very. I'll tell you what. I, you know, being from like, as y'all know, I'm from New Orleans. I'm used to the New Orleans Mardi Gras. So it's. I mean, when I say it's completely different and completely opposite from the Mardi Gras I'm used to. When my buddy first told me about the Church Point Mardi Gras, I looked at him like, what what the hell are you talking about? What do you mean you chase a chicken? Then he told me the traditions. You know, they chase the chicken. They go, you know, they go from house to house and get the ingredients to make a gumbo. And I'm like, what is this about? Then he introduced me to the song, the Mardi Gras song. And I'm like, it's a Cajun song. What is that? It's the Cajun Mardi Gras song. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, and and you really learn. I, I got to learn about the Cajun heritage side of it because, and I've got Cajun blood in my system. But again, I grew up in New Orleans. I'm used to the 
the flambeaux and the Mardi Gras parades and the beads and all that and the king cake. But um, it's really cool that even in South Louisiana, within a two hour drive, the traditions are so different. But at the same time, it's all for the same reason, you know, and that's one thing that I think is really neat. And, um, you know, Josh, I, you know, we want to I want to thank you for posting some of those cool videos. Uh, Josh posted some videos at in Vermilionville to to show our friends from other states what the traditions like for Cajun Mardi Gras. And uh, just to let everybody know this weekend, whether it's here in Lafayette or me being in New Orleans, I actually ride in one of the Mardi Gras parades in New Orleans. Uh, we'll be riding Saturday and uh, I'm going to share some footage with you guys. I'm going to share some footage, uh, Rage Review, share some footage down there in New Orleans. Um, we're going to share some footage here all weekend. We're going to do our best to bring a lot of Mardi Gras footage to kind of show everybody how we celebrate down here. And um, whether it's Cajun Mardi Gras, riding on a float down on Canal Street, New Orleans, throwing beads, we're going to bring as much coverage as we can to, uh, to, um, to talk about the Mardi Gras tradition. Nick, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. You're from New Orleans? I know. It's crazy. I have no idea. I know. Yeah. What high school did you go to? You know, I don't know. You haven't I haven't mentioned I, that before. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. But, but I'm excited about this weekend. Um, you know, I've ridden, I've ridden in one of those, and then that parade for, for 17 years now. And, um, you know, I always tell people that's one thing for me, uh, you know, Lafayette's my home, but one thing that never left me of New Orleans was Mardi Gras. So, uh, I guess I get the best of both worlds. We're going to go down sa uh, Friday, we'll ride on Saturday, experience all day, go to the extravaganza after, and then Sunday we'll be back just before the Super Bowl. And uh, of course, my wife and my, my daughter will go out to Johnson Street on Monday night and Tuesday to uh, to enjoy the nice family-oriented Mardi Gras um, here in Lafayette. So, um, uh, Nick, I believe you're going to try to make it too, right, for the yeah, parade? I'm going to make it in for a parade or two before I head on out to uh, to Church Point. But uh, no, like you, look, I'm not from New Orleans, but I've been there enough times that, uh, you know, my heart is in Lafayette. But uh, whatever I caught on Bourbon Street has still never left me. So uh, happy. <laughs> I'm kidding. Kidding, y'all. I'm just joking. But uh, but no, uh, New Orleans Mardi Gras is something that is a lot of fun and, and crazy and like the like the chicken run. It's something that you have to do at least once in your life. Got to do it once. Yeah, because yep. I, I got a purse in my in my closet. That sounds weird, but I caught it at Nick's and I'm never letting letting that thing go. So, uh, yeah, I bring that out every year. My purse. Uh, I think you know, just I think weekends. the thing that what's crazy for me is when I ride, um, you know, we for those who don't know, I ride the crew of Endymion, which is the biggest parade. It's the biggest one in New Orleans. It's a super crew. And we have a different route from everybody else. We start at City Park and go down Canal Street all the way to, you know, uh, by St. Charles. And actually, we're going into the convention center this year because the Superdome, uh, where we usually have the extravaganza, is still undergoing renovations. But uh, other parade routes in New Orleans, they all start at, um, they all start uptown. And go down St. Charles all the way down by the convention center. And I tell you, man, it's crazy because I'm on the float riding and I look down and I see hundreds of thousands of people. You know, Nick, the first question I ask is, where where do all these people come from? Like, where did they come from? I mean, Bruh, it's, it's crazy. I say that every single Mardi Gras in Lafayette because I'm yeah, from Scott. Even I here. Go, look, I, I'm from Scott and I go to the Scott Parade. And I see some people I know, but there are some Shawses out there that I'm like, what swamp did they pull you out of? Like, I, <laughs> you, at these parades, the people that come out to those things, you are wondering where on earth they're coming from. It's interesting. <laughs> you know, it really yeah. is because you see people you know, but then you're like, hmm, 
they don't <laughs> they're not our people who are these people so yeah, yeah. no it's definitely uh and, and and new orleans is a little more of a worldwide known thing you know people people yeah. take trips out there but these people on a saturday during mardi gras season and scott and karen crow like i said i i don't know where they coming from they ain't coming from new zealand i'll tell you that much they're coming from somewhere in the swamps I was going to say, that's what's so cool about New Orleans Mardi Gras. Like, we'll see signs, you know, the throw me something, mister, and all that stuff. And I'll see signs like, first Mardi Gras from Norway. Or, oh, we're from Hawaii. Or, we're, you know, uh, oh, uh, greetings from Brazil. And I'm like, we're, wow, okay, this is really cool, you know. And uh, you, you realize that there's a lot of people from, like, not just around the country, but around the world who who come in and and want to want to celebrate it. But as locals... You know, whether it's in New Orleans or anywhere in South Louisiana, it's normal for us. Like it's a normal tradition. You know, you tell people from out of state, we have Mardi Gras holidays or Mardi Gras break from school and work. And they're all like, what, what's that? How do you get that? You know, um, so it makes it it makes it unique, but but it also makes it fun. And uh, it's just a, I think what's great about like, here's the thing about Mardi Gras this year. I don't like the fact that it's early, but. With Cajun sports, you've got softball starting this weekend. You've got Mardi Gras weekend. Then you have Valentine's Day slash Ash Wednesday on Wednesday. And then opening night for baseball on Friday. So it's like a week just packed with stuff. I prefer Mardi Gras being more towards March, like late February, March. But for some reason, I feel like it actually, even though it's early this year, I can't really complain because there's so much happening. Can I tell a stupid story? Please. Okay. You know... Like memories of me and baseball and all that stuff, they pop up. You say something and I'm like, I remember this. So David Faber, uh, one year, every Friday night, the Cajun Cooking Club brings up, you know, the meat, like just this platter of meat. I don't even know from what animals, but you got all kind of animals in a plate that's just ridiculously good and greasy. And they bring that up every Friday night during Lent. And David, as the the good Catholic that he has been since birth will not eat meat on a Friday. He won't even, he can't do it. Right. And I, I, I'm the same thing. I'm not as loyal as he is. I slip up every now and again, but, but David is not, Faves is not doing that. So one night we were in involved in a game that lasted kind of late. It was about, you know, seven, eight ish. And the cooking club, uh, I'm, I'm not seven, eight ish. It was more like 10, 11 ish. And the cooking club, had brought up some hamburgers. Man, they look so good. And they were so juicy. And they were just ridiculous, okay? So, Babes is working in the stands and everything. And he brings up the hamburger. And it's in this little container. And he's like, so he's got the grin on his face. And we're like, Babes, you're going to eat meat tonight? He's like, nope. At midnight, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, bite into that burger. Because I think he had to go back to the SID office. And he had to work on something. So, he put his burger on the side and he took off. Well, John Duga and I are sitting there kind of plotting. And one thing that they also did was uh, whoever was doing the catering would do the fried fish on Fridays. And so they brought some up to us and Duga looks at me and says, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we took off the, the burger and put a piece of fish? So when he goes to bite into it, <laughs> thinking that he's eating this juicy hamburger that he's oh, waited all night for, he gets the fish. So we did it. And uh, and and of course, at about twelve fifteen, we all get a text from Fabes cursing us out because with a picture of the fish, the fried fish on the burger pad <laughs> on the burger bun because we had replaced it. He had waited all night, and he said he got there and he 
you know, rubbed his hands together and he opens the box and he then he threw it across the room when he saw that it was oh just gosh. the fried fish that we had. So that is, that and is, we had that... forgot we had forgotten about it. We were gonna put it back, but you know, the game went on and we didn't care anymore. But poor Fabes, he thought he was getting a juicy burger at midnight on a Friday night, but nah, he was just eating some fried fish. Sorry, Fabes. Yeah, I was about to say we extended his uh, his Friday Catholic uh his Friday Catholic commitment. He he never trusted us again. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember um the cooking club on Friday nights for baseball games. They'd always bring that huge it was always like delicious. Like you just you could smell it, you looked at it, the meat was tender. I remember a few times volunteering at the game and I was kind of like Faves. I couldn't eat it. You know, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I don't have a good piece of crab or a good piece of fish or something instead, you know, because you can't say no anytime they bring meat up to the to the press box. I mean, it's always delicious, even now. Yeah, if you ask Red where the fried fish was, he just like mumbles something at you really loudly until he's like, you get, <laughs> get away. So I didn't bother. I just took it and that was it. Right, <laughs> right. Well, Nick, I, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to this weekend. We got softball, Mardi Gras. Um, I, I just... Uh, it's going to be a long weekend, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be getting updates on softball and, and uh, basketball on Sunday while I'm down in New Orleans, but I'll be back just in time to celebrate Mardi Gras Day with the rest of the Cajun faithful here. Um, but I just want to say to everybody out there, uh, whether you celebrate Mardi Gras, you, uh, you know, through a parade in New Orleans, parade in Lafayette, you're going to a Mardi Gras ball. If you're going to the chicken run somewhere in Mamou, Church Point, or Eunice, everybody, just please be careful. Be careful. Be responsible. Don't do anything stupid. And um, have a good time, but have a good time, but be responsible. Yeah. And Ryan, I, I purposely did a war wardrobe change for you into the world series hoodie. So I will be wearing this just for you. Look for me on Saturday night at the parades. Are you going? Um, so for Mardi Gras day, are you going out to uh, the parades on Johnston? No, because I'll be doing the chicken run. It, when's the chicken run? But it's on point, Mardi right? Gras day. <laughs> Which where at? In church point. I, I thought think, Church Point. I think, no, Church no, Point. Um, it's uh, Mamu. Sorry, I keep. Okay, saying I was Church about Point. to say. Yeah. yeah, Church Point is Sunday. I do remember that. So, yep. you do that every year. Every year, bud. Wow, you got to get there early in the morning. About five o'clock. Are you serious? That's when I that start early? drinking. Yeah. Like you actually get out, you drive out there and get there for five a.m. Yes, Jerry. It's a long run. Jeez, man. Well, how long does it last to? All day. Wow. I mean, I don't, I don't chase the chicken, but I observe and I dress up. It's fun. That's awesome, man. Well, have fun, be safe, and uh, don't do anything crazy. <laughs> you know I will. Well, that's. I think that's going to do it for tonight, Nick. We talked a lot about a lot of things. It looks like Josh had to go, but I want to thank Josh for coming in um, and – Want to thank one more time our sponsors once again, Dr. Brett Venable, Recovery Cairo Med, and also Absolutely Embroidery and more. They definitely do a great job um, supporting the pod. It's always good to support local. Also, just of note, again, softball officially begins tomorrow, 6 o'clock against the Chattanooga Mocs. Softball season's back, 6 p.m. first pitch. We'll see you at Yvette Gerard Park. Yvette Gerard Field at Lampson Park. Sorry, it's getting late. Also, if you like what we do, please like, subscribe, comment. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch. You can also listen on Apple iTunes and Spotify. Nick will have this episode up as soon as he can. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Always great to talk Cajun sports with you, my friend. And after the next episode, we'll be talking about Cajun's baseball right around the corner. Almost here. 
For everybody, once again, have a safe and happy Mardi Gras this weekend. Please be safe on the roads. Go enjoy the games. Cajuns basketball Tuesday. Cajuns women's basketball Saturday. Lots of Cajun activities this weekend for Mardi Gras to Cajun games. For Nick, I'm Jerry. We are the Rager Review Podcast. In the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, bye, we out of here. See you next week for more Rage and Review. Good night, everybody.